0: Welcome to FC Hockey, the podcast, bringing you closer to the top names in and around the NHL entry draft than ever before.
1: Welcome to another episode of FC Hockey, the podcast, bringing you closer to the names and personalities of the NHL entry draft than ever before. My name is Aaron Vickers, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Peter Lubardius. Lou, what's going on?
0: Well, it's uh, just exciting to, to be back together and try our hand at another podcast. I think the people are going to be uh, very, very interested in uh, our guests. And listen, um, with COVID, when you think about the prospects and the upcoming draft, it doesn't get any simpler, does it, A.V.?
1: No, we thought we saw the most complicated thing in 2020, but now you shift forward, turn the calendar over to the 2020, 2021 season and the 2021 draft. It's uh it's even more complicated than it was last year, given the nature of some leagues starting, some leagues not, some players playing, some players not. It's uh we thought we thought 2020 draft would be unpredictable. 2021 is gonna take the cake on this one, I think.
0: It is gonna take the cake because Granted, last year you missed out on the playoffs. You missed out on a biggie on the calendar, and that was what was supposed to be the world under 18 in Plymouth. But at least from September until March, you had a good book, and you had lots of viewings in certain cases. Obviously, some of those kids even played at the World Junior. Well, this year it is so unfair – for a lot of these kids because they just, they flat out haven't played. And now you're competing against whether it's Europeans or kids in the USHL or in the NCAA ranks. And we know at the university of Michigan that, um, you know, there's some high, high end people with the Wolverines program. Yes. It is more complex this year by a mile than it was going into the 2020 scenario.
1: And that leads me into my first question for you, Lou, and it's a bit of a two-parter, so stay with me. But in your mind, given all we know about the struggles of certain leagues getting started, the WHL and OHL haven't kicked off yet, the QMJHL has had some starts and stops, Sweden and Finland's junior ranks have had their issues, and just the sheer lack of playing time for so many draft-eligible kids, do you, A, see the 2021 NHL draft happening as scheduled in late July, July 23rd, 24th, and B, is it fair to some of these 17 and 18-year-olds who either haven't had a chance to play at all to date or have only managed a handful of games?
0: No, it isn't fair. That's the bottom line. It isn't. You're not anywhere near what was the case last year, where it was a relative, it wasn't perfect, but it was a relatively fair playing ground. That's not the case this time. And in fact, I think AV, you know, being in the business of Player evaluation as this website is, don't be the least bit surprised if there's all kinds of changes between now and July, whether it means the amount of kids who might be eligible. I think anything is possible. I I, I absolutely kids having a chance to defer. This one is just starting, my friend, unless, unless in the next few months. We can get back to enough everybody play scenarios to have a more fair evaluation.
1: And I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. If we do get to the point where we can set up a scenario with a fair evaluation, I think I know the answer to this one, but how curious, how welcoming would you be? of some sort of prospect mini tournament that leads into the 2021 draft just to give everybody a sort of fair opportunity. Imagine the draft, imagine the circumstances you could have around this. You'd have a draft, you could assemble certain teams, give these 17, 18 year olds, in certain cases, 19 and 20 year olds that haven't been drafted an opportunity to showcase themselves in some sort of makeshift major tournament. Would you be on board for that?
0: I'd be completely on board. And to be frank, I'm glad you threw it my way. And I think it's more of a fastball than a curveball, because I could see it happening. I really, really could see it happening. It, it might be your only option potentially to create some kind of fair playing field to have an idea.
1: So say we don't get to that point, say we don't get to a position in, in society with this COVID thing where that can be a realistic uh, option uh, to see these players showcase themselves. So given these challenges, how would you feel about a special one-year sort of circumstance of allowing these draft-eligible kids to either opt in or opt out, providing that July 23rd, 24th date does stick?
0: Here's how I look at everything, A.V. When the circumstances are very different, then you have to be open-minded to doing different in order to get to the best possible place and a middle ground, if you will. So, as I stated in an earlier answer to you, I think everything is on the table. I I think we're a long ways away, potentially, because we don't know. You know, you and I can forecast what would you be okay with, what wouldn't you be okay with. I'm at a point, and and this relates to everything and how I approach it, I can't predict the future. I can't fix the past. All I can do is kind of day to day, do the best that you can with what you know. And that's how I evaluate others. And that's how I evaluate this situation.
1: We toss this question out to our guest of this particular episode of the podcast, Robert Cron, director of amateur scouting for the Seattle Kraken. We saw how unpredictable the 2020 draft was. It was delayed six months or so, give or take a couple of days in either direction And that sort of timeline, that sort of pushback, that sort of uh, situation, scenarios, first of its kind, led to a lot of unpredictability in that 2020 draft, especially for me after you got through the top 15 picks. Do you dare trying to get comfortable predicting what we might see in 2021?
0: Not a chance. Not a chance. Because until I know exactly what I'm dealing with, the playing field is so uneven and unlevel how could it not be riddled with difficult decisions the fact of the matter is if you are playing and if you have played you have a massive massive advantage and even let's go back to the October draft just for a second AV you don't think people like a uh, Yegor Chinohoff didn't reap the benefit from playing in Russia and playing a dozen or eight or nine KHL games before that draft happened, those guys got the advantage of having more viewings and a summer physically to grow and develop, which makes a, you know, when you're talking about 17 and 18 year old kids, that makes a massive difference. Now I don't, see that scenario again but I think that's what you talk about the unpredictability and why there was so much movement I don't think you can discount those situations where guys in Europe were back to playing and what it did for scouts is they went well this is pretty neat I get to see how he handled his summer and I get a little extra glimpse a year forward So that, to me, changed that. I think that was one of the big reasons why we saw some of those situations.
1: We talked about the unpredictability, potentially, of the 2021 draft with Robert Kron. As always, this podcast brought to you by CDN. Visit them online at wearecdn.ca for hockey-inspired headwear, apparel, accessories with a distinctly Canadian feel. Let's get to that interview with Robert Kron, Director of Amateur Scouting for the newly formed Seattle Kraken. Very pleased to be joined by Robert Cron, the inaugural director of amateur scouting for the Seattle Kraken. And um, obviously not, not your first role in scouting and hockey, obviously being a member of the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's been a very interesting, trying, difficult calendar year, if you will, for the scouting community. And you look back to 2020 and the issues and challenges that were presented then, And you look at the issues, of course, presented now in 2021 as it pertains to to you and your role and your job in trying to find the next uh, members of the Seattle Kraken organization. But just if you could reflect back on 2020 for me as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes and the obstacles that were going from March to the October draft date, yet you still had eight months of scouting from the Holinka till when things sort of wrapped up in March for the hiatus. What was it like going through it the first time as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes?
2: Well, it was, you know, it, it was challenging. Uh, it was new. Uh, obviously, the season kind of ended abruptly in March. Um, I remember I was in St. Petersburg and, uh, you know, got a, got a call. Uh, hey, this thing is getting out of hand. The uh, U.S. is getting to close borders, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen. So uh, I packed up my bags and got on the next flight back home. And obviously, uh, you know, things developed from there. Uh, so it was a new situation for everybody. So you know, uh, we adapted to it. There was a lot of video. Uh, at the same time, it gave us a you know, we, we kind of had uh, most of it done by then. To be honest with you, uh, obviously, we missed the U18 World Junior and uh, some other stuff like playoffs and uh, OHL and and, but. Also, it gave us a time to uh, cycle back and, and maybe spend more time in detail and video on guys. So I, I think that uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, and it wasn't just us. Every team did that. So uh, um, I think that people were ready for it. Obviously, you know, we didn't know when the draft's going to be and what's going to happen. And then uh, with the draft being pushed back all the way, uh, you know, it, to, to almost early fall, uh, like I said, it gave a lot of teams to kind of uh, pause and cycle back and reevaluate. reevaluate. And, uh, you know, some guys benefited from it, like that. the guys in Europe that started to play before the draft. I think we've seen something uh, that probably would not have happened. I don't want to speak for other teams, but uh, there were some surprises in the first round for sure.
1: You mentioned the surprises and 2020 draft is probably as unpredictable as one we've seen in recent memory. Given everything that you're faced with now, the OHL hasn't started up yet. The WHL hasn't started up yet. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League has had starts and stops. Obviously, the Finnish Junior Leagues and Swedish Junior Leagues have had their obstacles as well. How do you prepare to guard yourself against surprises in the 2021 draft? Well, there's
2: nothing normal about this year at all uh, it's been a roller coaster uh, you know it's kind of a fluid situation still uh, like you said europe's kind of been gone uh then shut down sweden just shut down uh, a couple of weeks ago uh for the year They're their junior u18 and u20s uh, in canada they they haven't really started in western hockey league or ohl quebec's been kind of limping around uh, the only leagues that, that are really going is the USHL and colleges and uh, you know uh, Russian MHL and Finland, even with some pauses and checks. So it's, it's not easy at all. Uh, again, a lot of video work, uh, a lot of cycling back. Uh, we haven't seen these guys that are supposed to be drafted this year. Many of them we haven't seen live. Uh, most of them, to be honest with you. Uh, and some of them we don't have anything uh, but the underage uh, year so it's a challenging situation Uh, we'll see what happens in February it looks like that uh, Western Hockey League and Ontario Hockey League are trying to get going Quebec's supposed to get started uh, you know this week and uh, so the only the only only league that's not gonna play is in Sweden the U18s and U20s so uh, you know we have Constant meetings every week, basically, and uh, we're trying to do the best as we can as any other team and prepare as best as we can, and and we'll see what the future holds.
1: I imagine draft day for you is almost like Christmas day, where you finally get to unwrap all those picks and presents and see what you've got. Uh... Coming away from the draft floor last year, you obviously had to wait originally scheduled in June and ended up being postponed and postponed and postponed till October. We do have a set date of late July this year, but can you imagine another sort of similar scenario where uh, the draft date gets pushed back a little bit just to give some of these players that haven't played or have only played a handful of games maybe a, a bit of an opportunity in some sort of showcase to to you know show what they can do live to the scouts?
2: Yeah, nothing would surprise me to be honest with you. And uh, you know, we we don't know what's going to happen. Really, it's as, as as fluid as it gets. The, you know, we have a July 23, 24 for now. Uh, we try to prepare as as those are the days that we're working with, and you know, the viewings that we have or will have or don't have. You know, we're, we're adjusting to it. But you know, uh, saying that it, it's it's challenging for the kids as well. Um, I don't know if it's fair for some some. It's you know, been played um, in an environment that they can't play and some are, you know, trying to find ice time and teams and, you know, we've seen guys moving to USHL and Europe to, to to be able to play and show their stuff. So, like I said, nothing would surprise me. But as of today or, you know, as far as I know, we have a draft July twenty-three, twenty-four. Lou?
0: Robert, um, as we spoke before this show began, um, a lot of people are familiar with you. Obviously, your 700 plus games in the NHL. You finished in Europe, but I guess it exposes my age because I remember you as a 17-year-old playing for then Czechoslovakia in your first of three world juniors, and we could do a show on that based on... The tournament in Finland, then the next year in Hamilton, and then in Piastani. And for other countries, we know where that went. But what fascinates me about your story is when did Robert Kron, the terrific hockey player, get excited about player evaluation?
2: I'll be honest with you. You know, I never really thought about that. that that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, you know, going back, if your playing days, Almost feels like you can play forever, right? And uh, you know it's funny to watch uh you know Yarmir Jagar still playing in Czech Republic and we got to NHL the same year, we played on the same teams and he's a little bit younger than me, but still uh, you know, well in his forties. So it didn't really I didn't really plan to to do this and uh, I took a bit of a time after I was done playing to kind of see uh you know what would interest me. Um, and then, you know, talked to Jimmy Rutherford back in Carolina. And I uh, said, you know what? Uh, why, don't you, why don't you take a look at this and see, you know, see uh, if you like it, uh, get your foot in the door <clears throat> back in the game. And I, I realized that I really liked it. Uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see now, you know, being 12, 13 years into it and seeing, uh, you know, these guys that you started watching in 2008. Playing and, and you know you kind of seeing if you are right or you know if, do you feel like you're doing a good job or you know do you understand the game from the other side uh, and it's been it's been you know fascinating I love to travel so that part is uh, uh, is great uh, we spend a lot of times on the road doing this job uh, but it kind of came naturally to me you know being around the game and and uh, and loving the game. Ever since I was a little kid, it's just uh, this is something that really interests me. And and still, uh, it's exciting to see, to try to project what these young kids will do and how they'll end up playing.
0: Robert, when you move into a new field, there are always certain individuals who probably have a great influence on how you go about your new journey. Would there be, you talked about Mr. Rutherford, would there be some others in the early days that really kind of helped you Mold your own craft and your style as a scout.
2: Well, uh, uh, the guy that took me under his wing was Tony McDonald, and uh, you know he's with us in Seattle now, and, and uh, he's a great sounding board. Uh, uh, it was a it was a big mentor in the scouting world, but uh, uh, they kind of threw me in there like, "Hey, uh, there's a tournament. Uh, why don't you go uh, see what you can do? This is what we expect you to do." And they kind of, you know, looked at me and and you know, let's go, uh, let's give it a year and see how it goes for both parties. You know, if if if, if you like it, and if we feel like uh, you're actually doing a good job and you have a feel for evaluating, and 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 it kind of snowballs from there. But uh, you know, Ron Francis was on board already in Carolina as well, and and you know, he kind of walked me through it how to how to do a report. Uh, it was a little easier for me to, to kind of look at the players, and and I think when you play the game, you kind of you have an easier time to put uh, into to the kids' skates, so to speak. Uh, you know, in certain situations, and and kind of read their body language, and uh, so I, it, it was easier. And uh, in that regard, uh, what was harder was typing the reports and uh, and doing that stuff. But uh, I I got, I got there, and 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 now everything's working fine. <laughs>
0: You have seen a lot of change I'm sure in the types of players, the types of people you evaluate and and it's funny I guess just seeing you today and talking to you brings back a lot of memories and I would phrase it this way now I feel like the Robert Cron type of player has never been more in vogue than it is probably today.
2: Uh yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, I kind of wish I could still be playing today's <laughs> hockey. But, uh, you know, I wasn't the biggest guy out there and it wasn't easy to play in the 90s the way the game was played, uh, especially in NHL. And, and now, um, you know, the game opened up a little bit and it got fast. You know, there's a little bit more room. It's still physical. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that, uh, you know, people maybe saying it's not as physical as it used to be. I disagree with that. There's you know, there's uh, a lot of big hits and, and, and the game changed a little. Uh, yeah, I wish, you know, we we had the the freedom to kind of uh use our skills more as a small guys back then. But uh you know you do uh you do what you can in the environment and the cards you are dealt with and I enjoyed playing United. I, get me wrong it was it was great time. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah today the game is is very exciting to me. I think it's it's really fun to watch and and the skill level is off the charts and the, the things uh, the kids do nowadays in the early age. It just blows my mind really. You mentioned change and and
1: funny, you should uh, go that way because it leads right into my next question of how have your personal scouting philosophies changed over the course of your time from you know being a first year scout to director of European scouting now did director of amateur scouting. The game's changed a lot over the course of the last 18 years, over the course of your journey and evolution as a scout. How have you changed as a scout in terms of what you look for and your philosophies?
2: Uh, Well, I approached this as I did when I played, you learn something every day, right? Like, uh, it's, it's an ongoing process for everyone and, and nobody knows it all. Um, and you know did the game change yeah the, is the gameplay a different way maybe a little but some things don't change i don't think the the character still matters uh, you know uh there are things that you know might we might look at the players a little different way or evaluate them a little different way uh you know skating is a big part of it now uh but the hockey sense will always matter uh, so, you know, like I said, you kind of learn, but I don't think then, you know, people say the game got, you know, faster and, and smaller, smaller players have more chance. And yet at the same time, when you watch the playoffs, uh, it's almost like different hockey. So you kind of try to uh, learn from everything. And and I guess, you know, we can't really predict what's going to happen going forward, but some things will never change, I think. So uh, that's the way I look at it.
1: Is that sort of the piece of advice you'd give a young Robert Cron who's entering his first year of scouting is get ready because you're going to learn something new every day.
2: Yeah. uh, What do you know? Like uh, that's good, but you know, get ready. Then Things, you know, things develop (laughs) that way.
1: And like we said, things change, obviously a big change for you this uh, fall. I was going to say this summer, but the way everything's been pushed back and rearranged this fall uh, named the director of amateur scouting what excites you about starting with an absolute blank slate of an organization? And with that, is there an additional pressure because there isn't anything to draw on to this point?
2: I, I, don't, I don't view it as a pressure. Uh, for me, it's extremely exciting. Uh, this opportunity doesn't come along that often uh, to be able to put your kind of a stamp on, on something brand new, uh, use your experience and use the experience of the people around you. Uh, you know to create identity for a new team and uh, you know being an expansion draft or, or the you know uh, the amateur draft and going forward and see how this thing goes it's extremely exciting i mean everything about this organization from day one ever since uh ron called me and explained to me what's going on here it's just it's just off the charts i mean you know the, the new arena the the plans for the future the the, the team being built and hockey ops and, and on the business side and everywhere else, uh, the excitement about the, about the team. I love the logo. I mean, you know, <laughs> love the location. I played in Vancouver. So it's like almost coming back to, you know, back home, uh, after, after 20 years plus. So, uh, uh, it's, it's extremely exciting. Is it challenging? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have any books on anybody. We need to create everything new. Uh, you know, we, we just kind of, uh, have blank slate basically and, and, you know, go from there. But uh, like I said, it's exciting. Uh, I don't feel any pressure. I think that it's just excitement and I can't wait for the first draft and and the expansion draft and first game. Just go from there.
1: You mentioned Ron Francis. Does the process of starting with a clean slate slate, or even in just a new organization help because you have such a familiarity and such a relationship with them?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, I play with Ron, uh, we've been friends and we've worked together. Uh, you know, I, I have a great respect for him as a player, as, as an executive, and as, as a human being. And, and it, it helps when, uh, you have somebody like that, that, uh, uh that you can work with. And uh, the same could be said about all the people that we have now in the organization, the, the hockey ops, Rick, O, and, uh, you know, now jason norm and you know the scouts that we, we we brought on board we have a great group i think we have a, a really good uh team that that uh, sees the game uh the same way kind of the thing even though we do disagree on, on on things and but that's that's normal and 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 we got a common goal and, and everybody's excited and and with bronze leadership it's uh, and even Todd Lewicki being involved it's just uh it's been great, and it's absolutely helpful uh, to have somebody like that around. Lou?
0: Robert, a couple, for me, tied together a little bit. We've talked about the restrictions and how different it is, and you know the schedule isn't the same. But twofold for me, how excited are you about the 2021 class? And then I guess tongue-in-cheek, my guess is you have spent a little time watching the University of Michigan this season
2: yeah I, mean, I wish it was a secret, but i think everybody is watching everybody's watching that team and uh it's not it's not usual to have you know three players of that caliber on on one team in college and uh let's face it like i mean that's the hottest ticket right now uh there's no no uh secret about that uh you know but there's other good players in this class of twenty one uh that are that are very good players and uh I just wish I could see them more live. Like, I mean, that's, that's the regret, uh, every scout that loves, uh, what they do, uh, will tell you, you know, there is nothing, you know, video is great tool and, and you learn a lot from it. Uh, but there is no substitution for live viewings. And, uh, and that, that's, that's the challenge of it. I I think that, you know, uh, putting it together, uh, without being able to be in the rink and, and, uh, and, and really evaluate every aspect of the game that, that, that you do when you watch these kids live. That's just just the challenge.
0: Robert, I've, I've found more now than ever in all the different scouts and hockey people that I'm lucky enough to have been around for a long time about, it's as much now as getting to know the person as it is about their playing ability. And, and I wonder what an advantage it is for you being, you know, from Europe, and maybe having a better understanding than someone from North America about what these kids go through and what it takes. My guess is that's a real solid advantage for you.
2: I I think so. Uh, I would agree with you. I have the advantage of, uh, you know, growing up in Europe, uh, kind of knowing the mentality uh, you might say, Eastern Europe, even, you know, uh, Russia, uh, Sweden, Germany, like, uh, and also living in North America for better than the half of my life. So, I mean, I view it as a great advantage. I mean, you know, uh, there is such a thing as, 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 uh, as a country mentality. Like, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way around it. Like, uh, it's a, it's a different, different world, uh, that people have maybe a hard time to understand, but, uh, the kids that grow up in Europe, they they grow up different way than the kids in Canada or U.S. and they have different challenges. They have uh, different advantages, and uh, and sometimes they are coached different way. Uh, you know, uh, in the locker room, it's it, it's it's a different environment. Uh, even though all the kids they love the game of hockey and the, and they they have all the skills and everything else, but uh, there is cultural differences, and and sometimes they come into play. And I think that. Uh, for me, be able to kind of understand uh, some things that the kids, even the language barrier. Let's say a lot of these kids don't speak very well English, uh, and I have when I got here I didn't speak English either. So I kind of understand how hard for them it is sometimes, especially in interviews. And 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 that's where that's where we need to step back and 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 understand that, like you know, it's it's not easy for the kid to come into the combine or or, or take a Zoom call and. And talk to the NHL personnel and 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 get a read on on the kid. Uh, it's it's just that it's it's a challenge. And and for me, uh, you know, going through this uh, way back when, you know, having help from other players like Peter Nadeau that had already played here and and knew the language. And you know, there, there were many things that I said that that the guys looked at me in the locker room like, "What." the hell is he talking about right and that that happens even now in the in the in the in the interview process and so i i think that i have an understanding where these kids are coming from especially in europe and also uh you know living here and having family and kids that grew up here in north america uh what it what it is here uh, so i i i do feel that's a great advantage yes av sort of
1: along the similar vein, but maybe spun a little bit different way. Have you noticed over the course of, of your time in scouting community and and at the Combine and just in general interviews with players post-game and whatnot, are you finding that the type of individual that they are, there seems to be more of a maturity or at least more of a polishness among some of the higher end prospects and that they're prepared for your questions, they're prepared for the events. And, and in that sense, is there a challenge in getting to know them who they are personally with sort of their their guard up a little bit?
2: Definitely, these kids are prepared, not only, um, you know, hockey-wise, but also for these situations They've you know, agents and advisors from early age. Uh, uh, A lot of them have siblings that went through it. Uh, uh, The challenge of this is kind of get to know them as who they are. And, you know, uh, that's where the due diligence that we do uh, uh, plays a big role uh, but there's nothing like sitting with the kid after practice and uh, kind of talking for 10 minutes about other stuff than hockey. And uh, and we try to find them if we can. Right now, it's impossible. But uh, you know, we get them in their natural environment so they can open up. And, and and in combine, it's very difficult. Some kids come in prepared and coached, and 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 you know, you can't blame them. They, they want to make the best impression. So I guess the, the idea of, you know, at least for me, I, I'll speak for myself. Uh, uh, I like for the kids to kind of relax and, and take it as a, you know, uh, as a fun exercise when we talk to them and, and try to get on the level of, of on their level, you know, they're 17 year old kids. Right. So, uh, and understand their personality, their character and, and all the other stuff we can find out from other people. But, uh, uh, you know it the game changed in that regard the kids they know how to train what to eat you know they they have access to uh, all kinds of video they you know they 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 grew up playing hockey feeling hockey you know they got all they access all the information they need uh, and you know some of them take it seriously some some of them not they're still kids some of them are mature some of them are not mentally or physically and 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 that's where the excitement is that uh you know, I tell you, when we interviewed uh, Sebastian Ajo, uh we couldn't get a word out of him, really. And if, if you went just by that, you know, uh, you would say like, this guy's no chance, right? <laughs> and and all, you know, all of a sudden, uh, but there was the personality when you catch him after after practice or something, and then, and you could kind of get under the shell. Uh, so that, that's that's. I think every team tries to do it, and every every scout has done it for a while, uh, we're trying to to get to know the kids and, and get their personalities right. And we're well, not always right, but sometimes it works. You mentioned the limits to scouting via
1: video. Is there almost a limitation on doing interviews by video as well? I imagine a prospect or, you know, a 17 year old and 18 year olds much more comfortable talking outside a dressing room or in the stands in the confines of an arena versus via zoom chat, which is what we're all limited to
2: now. Definitely. It's a challenge. Uh, and just like what I talked about uh, a couple of minutes ago, Zoom call is different for all of us than, you know, sitting and having a tea or coffee and, and kind of kind of talk about things. That's just the way it is. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not allowed to kind of meet with the guys live now with all the, um, you know, uh, restrictions put in place. And, uh, and there are certain limitations that, that we can do. uh, uh to get to know these kids, and, and and we try to do all of them. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. A Zoom is not the same as live uh, interview, for sure, for me, at least. Lou?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I have too many more. I think we've uh, covered the whole thing. I just personally want to say thanks. This has been a great opportunity for me as someone who's admired you on the ice and now feel like uh, I could walk up and say, ahoy. The next time we uh, get together and and i wish you and and your organization nothing but the best um, i've spent a little time with with ricky olczyk over the years and think very highly of him and i really appreciate you taking some time
2: thank you guys it was it was a pleasure to do this and uh, I, i'm impressed that you remember all those things from 85 world junior <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very, very interesting and very, very glad to be joined by Robert Cron for that interview. There's a lot of things that stuck out to me, uh, particularly uh, the disadvantages or the the issues or just the trying nature of scouting via Zoom, but also the human element of it and the, doing the interviews via Zoom and and trying to get a feel for a player's natural personality and a natural character that was one of the elements that really stuck out to me from that interview Lou what caught your eye
0: well all of those things um but it was really fascinating for me to kind of go through the journey a little bit from watching him as a 17 year old in his first of three world juniors following his NHL career thinking and I the chance I got A V to ask him about, I think more Robert Cron type players are in vogue now than they've ever been before. Yep. But it, it just it, it's great to connect and understand his philosophy and get to know him better. And and the other final part was: I'm always intrigued by the link from being a player to want to stay in the game and then find your way in the game. And what is it that attracts you to whether it's management, coaching, scouting in particular.
1: And you said it best to me from player to player evaluator, an incredible journey for Robert Tron. This has been your latest edition of FC hockey, the podcast. I'm Aaron Vickers. He's Peter Lubardius. Keep your stick on the ice. Thanks for listening along. Be sure
0: to keep it locked to FC Hockey so you don't miss the latest news, notes, and interviews featuring the NHL Entry Draft.